It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of the principles of discipleship. Now, we've got one more week in this study, and then we're going to have a very special guest in the studio with us. It's going to help us be able to put this to practical application, even right here in Colorado Springs. Now, you may be listening around Colorado, even around the states, and if you are hearing this and thinking, well, I don't want to be left out of all of these wonderful resources, we will get you all the tools that you need free of charge. So if you want to lead a small group in your church, in your home, wherever you may be, we're going to get you the tools that you need. So so don't don't hesitate to reach out to us at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. And there's a contact us button there, and we will get you all of these tools. Now, in this study, we have been taking this rather lengthy approach because as a, as a right handling of God's Word, as we go through an exegetical perspective on this, looking at these verses very carefully, uh, we have been examining taking up the cross to follow Him. Okay, What we've learned through this study is that we are to win by losing this this outward appearance of things, the very superficial physical world that we dwell in, live and breathe in, can so dominate everything that we don't have a proper perspective of a supernatural reality that's going on all around us all the time, that when that faith fundamentally transforms our daily living, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where our faith is now infused into our daily living, changing how we speak, how we spend money and time and efforts and energy, and all of our spheres of influence are, are fundamentally changed as a result. It really strikes a blow then as we're going through all of this to our current trends of contemporary Christianity. It's become somewhat of a, of a haven for self-help empowerment narcissism, and self-circumference consumption. And that, that's what we have to do away with here. This is about discipleship. This is about holy living unto God, not by your own self-righteousness, but living in His righteousness, to His holy purposes. It's not a legalistic thing that we're talking about here. We're talking about living the transformed life. If you truly believe what you say you believe, it's going to change everything. You suddenly pro provide and produce the things that Jesus wants us to, to produce. We, we suddenly produce fruit likened unto the fig tree that produces figs. That's all you can do as a believer in Jesus Christ because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words, Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So as we focus in on verse 24 in this study right now, as we're talking about denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and following him, to help me in this wonderful study, as always, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. That scripture was a great illustration of how we win by losing. As we mm. talk about 
the radical teachings of Jesus, really, what could be more countercultural than Amen. that? To be the greatest, you need to be the servant of all. That's right. You know, I mean, these are just so countercultural. I mean, these are just the things that we love so much about our Lord and Savior. That's right. Amen. And so we've been talking about this, Dr. Ford, over the last few weeks now. Maybe it's a little redundant to those who are hearing it, but I think that even as a week passes between our study, we can find ourselves reverting back to the old sin nature. Last week we talked about, can anyone truly be good without God? And what we learned in that study is that God has given his instructions. It's fundamentally transformed cultures given us structure and law, justice and order. It may not always feel that way, but can you imagine what it would be like without the instructions of our Lord? And his homes are changed by that. Parents discipline, they have instruction, they teach what might be considered good manners and chivalry and doing what's right rather than wrong. There has to be a a, a lawgiver who gives these instructions the first mover that changes cultures. It then cascades out through generations. But what we learned was how quickly we can revert right back where the sin nature dominates. Then we don't know what morality is at all. And then we seem to see ourselves reverse uh, going back to uh, almost a barbaric-like mindset uh, of violent acts and immorality of all sorts, almost likened to before the flood. And so that's the instruction of God, his will and way in a culture that changes it. And then we heap those things upon our own shoulders as though we did them, as though men were inherently good from birth. And what we found out is that we're not. And so therefore, what we have to understand in this is a true self-assessment that we are not good without God. There is none who are good, none who are righteous. And so, Dr. Ford, we've talked about the three ingredients here of this one verse The three instructions that are very difficult for us to take away, self-denial, cross-bearing, and loyal obedience. So we've spent some time now in this self-denial, which in order for us to come to Jesus, you must affirm that there is in your flesh, according to Romans 7, 18, dwelling no good thing. And that's really what we have to examine in this, is that God is the one who changes the heart condition. He's the one who brings out of us something glorious, something beautiful. It's an inward transformation. And as we're changed from the inside out, everything follows suit. We see that our relationships can be changed with our spouses, our children, our coworkers, into our churches, and yes, into the mission field at large, because we have done what the Lord has instructed us to do. But then it's not because we have done it by our own strength, but because the Holy Spirit is changing us from the inside out. And that's what happens when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we profess the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. That sanctification process begins, and it is changing us every single day as the refiner's fire is removing all of the impurities of our life. We take no credit for that. That is a work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. So what does God see when he looks upon the hearts of men? Psalm 14, 1 to 3, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not one. (laughs) Powerful uh, to really self-assess on that. It really is. Yeah, just we go back to all of our righteous deeds that are as filthy rags before the Lord. You know, we can't earn our way into heaven like that. But I think, don't you think sometimes even in the, 
in the church, I think growing up, sometimes it was more, instead of about relationship, it was more about do's and don'ts, being a good person, things that you needed to do, you know, mm-hmm. following rules, that sort of thing, as opposed to a relationship with our loving Lord and Savior. I think it has to start somewhere, right? I mean, Scope and Sequence yeah. teaches us that from kindergarten all the way on through our, you know, latter academics. But uh, in that, we find that there's a growth process and and we've got to start with the basics, right? right? The Ten Commandments, or yeah. we might say those are the basics, but if you really explore them for what they are, that's a lifelong <laughs> how journey. How many of us have actually kept them all? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Just hold to these ten. Today. Let's see how you do with that. Uh, but yes, what, what we find is that the whole description of the law uh, creates not only the standard of righteousness and, and perfection that only Christ Jesus could do, uh, but it, it does in the contrast then to what humanity produces in its sin nature, we just see how far we are removed from the holy standards of God. And that can be daunting for any of us, and it should be. We should be driven to conviction of these things, realizing we cannot manufacture perfection in our strength, nor will we ever attain it this side of heaven. Now, it's interesting, before the show, you were mentioning about the, the impact, basically the impact of Christianity on our culture and and mm-hmm. how it can impact culture so that we are well behaved people. Mm-hmm. But then I was years ago, I used to go to the gym and I used to talk to people more than I would train. And we talk <laughs> about religion. And what, what I found out is that many people out there were deists. And their idea were, was basically, their, their theology was, if my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff, I'm going to be okay. Mm. You know, And sometimes you can see the, the culture's influence on that. So I'm grateful for the influence of Christianity uh, on cultures and how revolutionizing that can be. Yeah. But you know, we still need to walk away with the fact that in the end, what God wants is our hearts. That's right. That's right. And once we get to the root of that matter... Where is our allegiance? And we'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks, but we're truly not good without God, right? right? So we must deny ourselves. That's right. where all of this begs. That's right. We have to deny ourselves, our ways, our thoughts, our own personal endeavors like and follow captive, yeah. him. Yeah, we're disciples. We don't belong to us anymore. We've been bought at a great price. That's right. We're a living sacrifice unto him. That's his counterintuitive, I think, to our natural sin <laughs> endeavors, so yeah. right? We, we have our own aspirations every single day. The Amen. ladder we, we seek to climb, the things we seek to do, the vacations we plan to take, maybe we squeeze a little bit of God into those plans on occasion, yeah. right? But that's not true discipleship, right? Uh, that, that's not laying down your life and taking up the fullness of Christ. And of course, now we can hear something like that and go, I will never arrive. Right. <laughs> uh, that's why it is a lifelong journey. Uh, but we, we dare not justify our sin and say, well, I'll never achieve what God wants me to be. Well, of course not in your own strength. But rather what we do is we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We're, we're in the word of the word, living it out every day. He transforms by the washing and renewing of our minds. Right. And suddenly we have a new craving, a new appetite that we're not feeding the flesh any longer. We want what he desires. Yeah, you're right. And then those good works follow because those That's are now right. things that you want to do. You want to please the Lord. You want to love the Lord. You want to spend time in scripture. You want to go to church because yeah. he's changed your heart. Like you said, the changes from the inside and then manifested on the outside, almost like you know baptism being an external representation of an inward reality. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So in desperation... We have to reach out and seek a rescuer outside right. of ourselves, right? That, that's the whole essence of self-denial. If we think that we can be more good than bad and that that will cause us to be in a good standing with God and amassing works unto ourselves or some you know, good measure or report card before God, uh, we have completely uh, misunderstood what self-denial truly is. I am desperately in need of a savior. I'm never going to be good enough. 
you know, even if I do more good than my neighbor does, right. it's the great equalizer at the foot of the cross. There is no good, no one good to inherit or receive the fullness of eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Lord, only by way of a savior. You have to deny yourself. That's so right. self is cast away and Christ enters. So it's subjecting oneself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in utter rejection of self-sufficiency. I cannot earn it. I cannot be good enough. I need the fullness of Jesus Christ. But to do that, you have to understand what sin is before his holiness and that I, it, what few good things I may do or good things I think of, uh, that's, not the, that's not the remedy to this. We are desperately in need of a Savior. So that's why the first words of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount were, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Understanding that I offer nothing to him. I come to him with filthy rags. I have no riches. I, I come with an empty cup to now be filled up by the fullness of Christ in me. And then we listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, who tells us in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. Powerful yeah, words. That is really at the heart of the matter right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the sacrifice by Jesus Christ and the appropriate response. That's amen. And that's the hard hitting message of all of this. I mean, yeah. when you come to Christ, you come on his terms. Amen. Right. We, we try to sort of redefine the terms <laughs> a little bit I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and Lord, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday. Right. Just yeah. be happy with that. <laughs> right. That's a big step for me. <laughs> okay. Granted, maybe in the early stages in our car- kindergarten level, sure. we, we are uh, still on the milk right, of exactly. the basics here where the apostle Paul is hungry, eager for us to move to the meat, the yep. substance in yep. the word Solid food. and the things that he calls the basics, uh, the fundamentals of those, uh, the faith walk. Some have never even arrived there and yeah. they've been with the Lord for 30 years. That's it right. is time that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what are the terms? I mean, we're talking about self-denial. What are the terms that we have to accept here? The Lord says that those who come into my kingdom aren't those who think they're somebody, but those who know they are completely destitute and without hope if they don't have Jesus. So until we realize how utterly impoverished we are, we can't ever know how great his riches are. That's the contrast. It reminds me of Judges chapter 14, verse 9, where it's out of the carcass that the honey came. You remember that when Samson, he drew the honey from the carcass of the lion. I think that whole imagery now takes on a whole new, I, I don't know, this, the, the perspective of that fundamentally changes in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, to think out of the great, the lion of Judah uh, comes my great hope, yeah. the sweetness of, of, of life that is beyond comprehension of what I have amassed to myself of thinking something of substance that has no substance, but in this eternal dwelling space with the Lord, the true lion, I have the sweetness of that, which is fruitful and and awesome and of great reward and of true substance in this world. And so it's out of deadness that a new life is born. That that is why, as you mentioned, Dr. Ford, we talk about baptism. I mean, it really is that outward sign of what Jesus has done in us, taking us from death to life. Uh, of Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4, and Colossians 2, 6 to 15. So this means in our allegiance to Jesus, in our self-denial, we must reject the things of our flesh and walk in the ways of Jesus. 
and I don't know, Dr. Ford, if you have it handy there, Ephesians chapter 4 comes to mind here, specifically verses 22 to 24. Do you have that handy? Yeah, I do. Here it is, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm, amen. Wow, that's a lifelong journey right there. I mean, we, we say no to self. We say yes to the spirit of God every day. I had a gentleman, uh, Jim Weidman, uh, who was with Promise Keepers, Focus on the Family, Heritage Builders, a great mentor, friend of mine. And, and he told me every day when you rise, you need to submit yourself to the purposes of God. Yeah. Lord, what is your assignment for me today? I belong to you. Yeah, I believe the same thing. I think every single day we should, we should start by putting on that full armor of God, mm. praying and be praying for the renewing of our mind and a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in order to accomplish the things that the Lord has called us to do each day. That's right. So when you serve ultimately uh, to the fullness of, of giving yourself wholly, fully to the Lord Jesus, he is the rabbi. We are the disciple. We're going out to make disciples, not of ourselves, but of Jesus, Amen. That's right. pointing them to the one whom we're studying from right. and learning and growing from. And they really should see the work of the rabbi in us. Otherwise, what are we presenting? Right. I mean, we're exactly. presenting hypocrisy, yeah. right? You know, listen to what I say, but not what I do, right? <laughs> don't, right. Don't, don't watch me. Just right. listen to what I say, right? Yeah. Uh, they should align, right? truly, if the Holy Spirit is in us. So uh, we have to then understand that we're content with God's direction and purposes in our life. We embrace these things we would call interruptions, because they're purposed by God. There is no coincidence. There is no right. accident. Divine appointments. It's all divine appointments. Right. You belong to him and he's going to put you exactly where he wants you today. So you never refer to yourself. It's not really about your own goals and agendas. You're not looking for accolades anymore. And you see your brother and sisters around you and you want them to prosper. You want people to be successful in growing in knowledge and understanding and ways of the Lord. You want them to, to have the fullness of Jesus Christ. You want to bring them to a face-to-face -face encounter with him ultimately. Yeah. So this is one of the things that I love because what the Lord calls us to, what to me, what you're really speaking to there is the death of pride. Amen. When I can be so encouraged and long for the success of other believers around me and the Lord's work in the, in the lives of other people around me and just putting pride to death to no longer carry that burden. So everything mm. the Lord asks us to do, like we've said before, is for our own benefit. That's right. He knows what we need. Right. You think about the fact that he has seen the billions of possibilities. He knows exactly the course that needs to be taken. Do yeah, we trust him? Incredible. And Dr. Ford, we've talked about that. A next series we might look at in this yeah. is, is trusting God. That's right. Can we truly trust him in all things? Could we leave everything behind tomorrow and go into the wilderness as we see the instruction of the parousia, of the return of Jesus Christ, in those latter days, those final 42 months before the Lord comes of the great tribulation, many are expected to leave everything behind. Go back into the wilderness where I delivered you before. I will provide for you. Don't go back to any of your, your monies, your own coat. Don't go back to your own home. Come under the shelter of my wing of protection. Do we trust him like that? Yeah. So we're going to have to explore that a great deal. But the next item here is to take up his cross. Take up his cross. Matthew 16, 24. Uh, that's an interesting one be because the H here is not capitalized. 
And so you've probably heard a number of explanations. It's not complicated, but it's the willingness to endure persecution, to endure this persecution, rejection, reproach, shame, suffering, even martyrdom for his sake. You see, Jesus has been talking about going to Jerusalem to die with his disciples. He hasn't been talking about his own cross here. He's talking to them about the cross they need to bear. So while speaking these words, Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, upon the plateau where this cool breeze blows and they're overlooking the whole region of Galilee. And it was in that region where 800 men had been crucified not long before. In fact, from the Roman proconsul, there had been 2,000 Jews throughout that region who had been crucified. And so that image was in the backdrop while these disciples were hearing these words from Jesus, that crucifixion was somewhat common in the Roman Empire, and they had seen a lot of crucifixions. So we know that when, when Christ himself was crucified, they went out of their way to ensure his experience was severely brutal. That's where the word excruciating comes from. But they had seen many a crucifixion. And so to take up your cross, his cross, your cross, these men would have pictured these persecuted individuals. I mean, you know, going down the road, you would have seen them lining the road on certain occasions. At least a cross beam of their own instrument of death was strapped to their backs, perhaps as they were even going to be crucified. So the cross meant that you were walking to your death, moving towards your own martyrdom. And that's what the Lord is saying here. That's how severe this is. You must perceive following him is putting on the own instrument of your own execution because the world is going to cut you off. You don't belong to this world anymore. You are light in a place of darkness. That's not a kind of blending in. It is in total contrast to this world. And, and so often we want to dance in the gray area. You know, we want to be a little bit different, right. but we don't want to be that significant in contrast of light comparative to darkness. There's, there's no middle ground there. You're either for him or against him. And, and so that is, is really the cause here of self-denial and taking up that cross. It's a serious contemplation of to whom will I give everything to? I'm either going to be discipled by the world or discipled by the word. Which one is it? Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Jesus' words when Peter talked about, well, we've left everything, Lord. What are we going to get? And Jesus goes through, you know, everything that you've given up in this world, you know, you you will have, and persecutions. You know, so, yeah, <laughs> so you get the whole much, package. Right, exactly. It's a package <laughs> deal, you know, so he includes that and then we should expect that. But I, I don't know, I think it's it's helpful for me to remember, too, that when it actually is the Holy Spirit moving through me, since Christ is alive at that moment, um, it's and people's responses are really towards him. I mean, it's not always necessarily a personal, if I'm being hypocritical, well, then it's probably towards me. But if I'm reflecting the light of Jesus Christ and people are coming against me, what they're really Amen. coming against is Jesus in that's me. Right. That's right. And yeah. that's whom you bear the light of. Right. Uh, we're not bearing artificial light here. Right. It's the light of the Lord. And I love that the fact that the new heavens and new earth are going to be illuminated yeah, by the Lamb, awesome? yeah. <laughs> right? And that's the light that we're reflecting, the Shekinah glory of Jesus Christ. Right. So if you're going to follow Christ, you must abandon your own self-fulfilling interests in service to him. That's the essence of all the epistles. That's the essence of discipleship. We have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not something that happens overnight, but it's certainly a lifestyle 
that becomes ever encompassing of everything of who we say we follow. Because to truly follow Christ, we we have got to forsake the world. And I think if we were to write a report card on ourselves and take the score, how we're doing in these areas, we pop, we're we're falling short. And and I'm talking to myself here. We all fall short of the glory of God. But that's why as our prayer life suddenly takes on a whole new uh, seriousness, we start to realize how far we fall short and how desperate we are in need of our Savior, in need of the power of the Holy Spirit to work anything good out of us today to the glorious purposes of God that we lay up treasures in heaven and no longer on earth. Dr. Ford, thank you for being on the program with me. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Engage in Truth today. If this message has been encouraging to you, and if you want to go back and listen to the whole series, please go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. And of course, we would love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.